On this Cinco de Mayo, I'm going to ask Concepcion to pray for us in Spanish and pray for me as I prepare to bring the word today. Gracias, Padre, por esta oportunidad de orar en tu casa, para la casa de oración de todas las naciones. A house of prayer for all nations. We thank you, Lord, for all your people. We ask you, Lord, for guidance and blessings that you, Lord, are great. I remember Pastor Jim in the sermon saying, God is able 24-7. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Amen. The Lord bless you. And I love you in the name of the Jesus and all his love for us. I want to thank you, Lord, for Pastor Jim. Bless you and keep him in your child of your ways. Amen. Well, um, for those of you that haven't figured out perhaps who I am, my name is Pastor Jim Olson. Uh, I have the honor and privilege of serving here as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship and the Bethel family of churches, the seven congregations who are a part of uh, this church family. And I have officially stepped into my 24th year here. And um, I am just so grateful for the goodness of the Lord. So good to uh, just see you all this morning. It's so great to be together, to worship together, to listen to the Lord together, to hear his voice. And so that's my prayer during our remaining time together this morning is that we will hear from him clearly that which he wants to speak into our life. We are um, halfway into a sermon series entitled Praxis, which is the Greek word which we would translate function. And it comes out of Romans 12. So if you've got your Bible, or uh, if you want to use the Bible located in front of you, I would encourage you, if you would, please, to grab hold of that, because we're going to walk into Romans 12 for just a moment. Um, In verse 3, Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now listen to verse 4 here carefully. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same praxis, the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I belong to you. Now turn to them again and say, you belong to me. (laughs) This is it, people. We actually belong to one another. And I don't know the people looking, you know, I don't know what the person looking next to you looks like, but very possibly they don't look exactly like you. But you are members of one body. And you belong to each other. Because Peter said, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, 
You're a, a chosen people. You're the, you are together. You, we create right here. This is a new ethnos. <laughs> the people of God. We're one body. So verse 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And if one's gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it's serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it's leadership, let them govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let them do that cheerfully. So throughout this series, we've been looking at these various motivational gifts. To date, we've looked at the first three of those motivational gifts. The first being the motivational gift of the prophet, which, and the Bible doesn't use these uh, biological terms to, to attach to these. These are just to help us kind of understand some of that praxis or function. So we've said that the prophet is the eye of the body who receives and declares the will of God. The servant, being the hands of the body, renders practical service to others. The teacher, that my wife, my beloved wife, did such a great job of unpacking for us last week, is the mind of the body who researches and communicates truth. This morning, we're going to be looking at the exhorter, who is the mouth of the body, which encourages personal and corporate progress. And then the following three weeks, we're going to be looking at the giver, who is the arms of the body, sharing time, talent, energy, and resources. The leader, the shoulders of the body, who is shouldering the responsibility and responsibly organized leads and directs. Mercy, the heart of the body, sharing compassion, love, and care to those in need. So today, we're speaking on the exhorter, the mouth of the body who is encouraging personal and corporate progress. Now, each week I've tried to provide us, in addition to talking about the specific gift, we've also been looking at some more general things related to all of the gifts so that we can understand more clearly some practical principles related to those various gifts. So we're, again, just to pull out the big picture for one more moment, there are three basic kinds of gifts described in the scripture. There are the manifestational gifts. There are the ministerial gifts of Ephesians chapter 4, the manifestation gifts mostly in 1 Corinthians 11 to 14, and the motivational gifts, which is what we're focusing on during this time, which are found in Romans chapter 12. All right, so some principles. Again, we've come to this scripture multiple times, and we're going to continue to come to it throughout this study from 1 Peter Chapter 4, 10 and 11, because the Apostle Peter also gives us some insight and specifically some principles related to these motivational gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now, some specific principles related to this. And Annette referenced this one last week, so I'm just putting an exclamation point on this one. Is that we are stewards, not owners of our gifts. So we are responsible to use our gift 
for the benefit of the body and the building of the kingdom. You don't own your gifts. None of us own. In fact, let me, let me be really blunt with you today because you need to hear this. You don't own yourself. You don't own yourself. God owns you. you have you ever figured, God actually believes he's God. Okay, startling as that news might be for us, God actually believes that he's God. And he says in his word that you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to someone greater than you. So that's critical kind of mindset shift because I think sometimes with the gifts, any of the gifts, we can begin to think that, again, that they're sort of, you know, it's kind of like the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts and we've got our, you know, merit badges. We've achieved this and we own that now and I've got the badge to show you. But you don't own your gifts. You are a steward of it. And that's why in 1 Peter it talks about being faithful stewards of the gift you've been given. So you have a responsibility to steward the gift that you've been given. My question for us is, are we stewarding our gifts well? Are we stewarding our gifts well? For the Now, notice the two qualifiers here. For the benefit of the body, you're building up You're building up the body of Christ and for the building of his kingdom. He's building his church, but he uses the gifts in his body to work and to build his kingdom out in the world. Because these gifts, here's a a little tidbit for you, and we'll be talking about this more again in future weeks as well, but your gift is not only to be used on Sunday morning from 10 till noon when you're here in the church building. What about the other 166 hours a week? His intention is for you to be using your gifts to build his body all week long and to, or to benefit his body all week long and to build his kingdom in your workplace, in your school, in your house, in your neighborhood, everywhere you go. Secondly, The gifts are reflections or a revelation of the giver. The gifts don't say, look at me. Now, that's us. We want to say, look at me. I'm using my gift. Isn't it cool? But when gifts are properly oriented, they are to be to the glory of Christ. So that when people are looking at us, when we're using our gift and stewarding it well, the whole point is that people will see Jesus more clearly. That's what they want to be looking at. That's what we want them to be seeing. So those gifts, not only are we not owners of those gifts, we're stewards, but secondarily, those gifts, reflect the giver. They're a revelation of people should look at those gifts 
as they're functioning and see Jesus. Can I get a witness, somebody? Hello? That's what they're about. Now, here's another thought that we've mentioned a couple times a little bit, but I want to unpack just a, a moment longer today. Though we each have a primary motivational gift, one of these seven gifts is going to be a primary motivational gift in our lives. That gift is forged together with other spiritual gifts as well as our personality and our abilities and and our experiences and all of those types of things to create a unique reflection of the giver. Let me give you, let me just talk about this for a moment really practically. Yesterday we had our, uh, we have a, a, a doorway to ministry class which we offer periodically. The next one will be in June again, which is the opportunity to come and find out more about Bethel and our statement of faith and spiritual gifts. And then we we have a piece that we call Crossing the Threshold, where people take inventories that help them discover kind of their ministry shape and the way God's created them and wants to release them into ministry life. Now, here's what we discovered yesterday. I had six folks... Around in, in my office, who had just gone through the doorway to ministry class and wanted to go and, and went through the crossing the threshold, and all six had spiritual gifts of exhorter. All six of them had spiritual gifts of being exhorter and encourager. But if you looked around that table, and we did, as we talked around that table, we discovered that, and, and one person just said, Well, isn't it cool? We've got the same. We got sort of the same gift mix, but it's expressed completely differently. That, that is the forging of spiritual gifts together with other spiritual gifts, together with personality, together with all of those other abilities and things to create a unique expression of the giver. Each and every one of you. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you are God's masterpiece. Ain't nobody else in the world just like you. There's no one just like you. You are a unique masterpiece. Every single one of you. There is no other human being on earth now, has been, or ever will be who is just like you. And so each of us have this ability or this responsibility to be a unique reflection of the giver of the gifts. And he's forged you. You've grown up. I mean, you know, I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, My family unit and the way that, you know, that was part of the forging of who I am. Okay, so part of the experiences... God placed me there on earth. You know, I grew up in the 60s, uh, 70s. I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a particular area of the country that was um, known for incredible racial tensions. In the south suburbs of Chicago were ground zero people in the 60s for racial division and tension. That shapes part of who I am. You know, Annette and I were married in a church 
that was a forerunner church. It was one of the earliest megachurches, probably in the United States, and it was fully racially integrated. This was back in the 80s. This was, they were a forerunner congregation. That shapes who I am. You've been forged. You know, growing up here is a little different. You know, a lot of those guys, those young men and women, young guys and young girls, they grew up all of their life in refugee camps. They did not know anything else till they came here. You think that experience forges who they are a little differently than us? All of those things are part of God's... And, and part, of, part of the discovery in this process, here's what I want you to encourage you to do. There's a, there's a book, Parker Palmer, it's called Listen to Your Life. It's, it's a really good little book. Um, listen to your life. Understand how God's formed you and forged you. Because remember this, I've said this more than once, I love this, this is a Pastor Brad Kindle from the gallery phrase. I love Pastor Brad. He says, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Okay? Everybody doing good? All right? 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... There's what? Freedom. What is there? Freedom. Freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's the process you and I are in the midst of right now. That's the forging going on. That's the fashioning. You feeling a little bit of pressure? Got a little heat going on in your life? Little winds of adversity? Got some stuff going on? God is forging you, and he's forging us as a body. Because just as this is true of individuals, it's true of this congregation. As the Spirit of the Lord in Revelation spoke to the angel of the churches, he was speaking to the heart of those churches. The Lord has a word for this body. And he is intent on forging us together. Sometimes it gets a little hard. Right? Relax. Or as my kids say, chillax. I like that. Chillax. All right? It's okay. It's part of God's forging. So that we'll reflect him better. All right. Let's look at the motivational gift of exhorted. This won't take long this morning, so you can relax. You will get home in time for whatever food is awaiting you. All right? Here we go. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. This is the NIV. Encouragement and exhorter. We could have called this the gift of the exhor- uh, encourager, but the exhorter kind of is just a little bit broader, and I'll explain. All right. So let's look at the definition. The definition is paraklesis. This is the, this is the Greek word encourager, which you probably figured out is two words. The root words are Klesis, which means called, and para means with. So a way of putting those two together is called to another side to build up. Who, of of the Godhead, who is, you know, what's what's the name of the third person of the Trinity? 
Holy Spirit, who is also the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is an exhorter. <laughs> it's who he is. Part of the nature of the Spirit of God is the paraclete. He's called alongside of us to build up. This is the gift of encourager. So the motivational gift of exhorter describes one who brings comfort, counsel, correction, and encouragement to others, empowering them to develop full and fruitful lives. I'll read that one more time and give you time to write that down if you're writing that down in your sermon notes, which hopefully you are. There's uh, sermon notes, I think, in your one of the many inserts that you got. The motivational gift of exhorter describes one who brings counsel, comfort, counsel, correction, and encouragement to others, empowering them to develop full and fruitful lives. Now again, these motivational gifts are part of your DNA. It was so funny, last night at the party I was talking, at the preparation for the party or whatever, I was talking to one of the moms, and um, we were talking, I was talking with folks, and it, we got talking, and I'm, I'm a pastor, well, and I got to preach in the morning, so I, I got to go home now because I got to go to bed so I can sleep, so I can be awake to talk to you today, and she's, and, and one of them, well, what are, you, what are you speaking on tomorrow? I said, well, I'm speaking on the motivational gift of the exhorter, and this one woman who I don't know that she's a believer. She just says, oh, my sister is an exhorter. <laughs> she's incredible. She said she was the black sheep of the family, but now, man, she just gives wisdom and counsel, and she just speaks. It's, it's incredible. I went, yeah, good. Okay. Is the exhorter not just the person standing up in front of you? By the way, if you haven't figured it out yet, you will figure it out as you go. This would be my primary motivational gift. I'm an exhorter, okay? Um, but it's everywhere God wants to use that. All right, so let's unpack it. Our illustration. Oops, I forgot to ask you. Who's a good exhorter in the body, in the Bible? Barnabas! Wow, you guys got that quick. All right. So Barnabas is our illustration this morning. All right. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I don't know. I, I, I like that. I, I want to remind you of that because I sometimes forget that that wasn't his first name. That was the name given to him. Isn't that cool to be given that name? His name was Joseph, but everybody was like, man, your name is Barnabas. Because you are a son of encouragement. And then a little later in Acts. 11, it says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Okay, here's what was going on. God was breaking out in Antioch, doing stuff that he hadn't ever done before because he was going, they were going cross-culturally, they were moving outside of their Jewish context and Jewish ethnos to begin to reach Gentiles, and people were nervous, and the religious leaders, because we haven't it that way before, had their undies in a bundle, and they sent Barnabas because they knew he could figure it out. All right, so they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he arrived he saw and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. 
Now listen to this. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That's a whole other sermon, why they were first called Christians in Antioch. I believe they were first called Christians in Antioch because it was the first time they separated fully from their Jewish cultural context. They were actually deliberately going out and reaching Gentiles. But Barnabas saw this and he encouraged them. And he brought Saul along and encouraged Saul to encourage them. So here's what an exhorter is about. The first thing, there's going to be four of these, and guess what? letter they begin with. Thank you. All right, yes. The first is, an exhorter empathizes. Love this scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from him. God is an exhorter, a comforter. And he comforts us. He empathizes. Empathy means to step into the shoes of another to truly understand who they are and where they're coming from. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the way God has been towards you. He empathized with you. And an exhorter is a, is a people person. Exhorters are people people. They like people, right? You, you kind of have to like people to be an exhorter, Okay who is concerned about people's lives and willing to relate deeply to others. An exhorter is willing to relate deeply to others. All right? So the exhorter is a people person who is concerned about people's lives and is willing to relate deeply to others. Second word, energize. An exhorter energizes, and exhorters typically are energetic. People are exhorters. Now, you know, my mom, I believe, has got the spiritual gift of exhortation. And, um, you know, I used to say, I mean, she could run a small city on her energy, okay? They could just harness that. Tremendous amounts of energy, all right? So, but, but here's where it comes. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Here's here's the takeaway on this. The exhorter sees potential in people and pursues personal growth and development in themselves and others. And an exhorter is always looking for that potential, always looking to see what God's doing in someone's life and is always pursuing their own personal growth as well as the personal growth of others. They're always looking for that development. They're always pursuing that in others. 
seeing this? This is what Paul says. Now, now here's, a, here's a vulnerability of the exhorter. Part of the vulnerability of the exhorter is they can try to do that in their own energy. That typically doesn't work really well. Okay? So an exhorter can try to build other people with their own strength. Somebody gave me wise counsel many years ago. When you're working harder than the person you're trying to help is working, you're probably over-functioning. But exhorters are very vulnerable to that because they really want people to come along. If I just push a little harder. Right? Been there, done that. Embolden. Embolden. I'm deliberately using this word rather than encourage. They're similar, but but I really want to get at this sense of emboldening. And I love this. Again, Joshua 1, 6 to 7 and 9. This is, by the way, I think this is Stan's favorite scripture, right? Isn't it Stan? This is Stan. And he's doing better, slowly better, as is Jeannie. So keep praying for them, all right? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors and to give them. Be strong and very care- courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua. After Joshua's died and now the transition has happened. And he's like, be bold, be strong, go for it, be courageous. Amen. (laughs) The exhorter sees opportunities and not obstacles. And is positive and optimistic about future possibilities. The exhorter emboldens when, you know, the border, the, 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 you know, it's the, it's the, uh, the um, uh, two boys, you know, the, the pessimist and the optimist. You know, the, the pessimist looks at the room and says, you know, it's their birthday and the pessimist and he sees this room full of manure and says, oh man, <sighs> There's nothing here, just whatever. And the optimist looks at the room full of manure and just wades right in and starts going. He says, with all this manure in here, there's just got to be a pony here somewhere. (laughs) All right? That's the exhorter. There's got to be a pony here somewhere. Let's look for it. Come on, there's possibilities. (laughs) Right? Okay? Empower. Empower. Believe me when I say, this is Jesus speaking. He's a, he's, by the way, as Annette, he's like the perfect example of all these motivational gifts. He had all seven. So he didn't have like a primary one. (laughs) He was the full package. Believe me, he says, when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Isn't that incredible? What an incredible promise of empowering. I will do whatever you ask in my name. 
so that the Father may be glorified and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's the empowering. Jesus was always empowering his disciples. The exhorter releases, empowers others to fulfill their destiny and live full and fruitful lives. Last year was the year to dream and somewhere a few weeks in, my wife said to me, so honey, what's your dream? And I honestly just said to her, I mean, and that's at this stage of my life and in ministry, I just said, my dream is to see others walking in their dream. That's really my dream. My dream is to see all of you fulfilling the dream God has given to you and being who God has created you to be, to fulfill and to live full and fruitful lives. That's my heart. That's where God's taken me. All right. Finally, here's the invitation. Worship team, come on up. Please. As we've said with all of these gifts, this may or may not be your primary gift. If it is, we're going to have a moment in just a moment to pray for you and to bless you in that gifting. But the fact of the matter is all of us can function in each of these gifts. In fact, all of us must function in them in one way or another. So here is the invitation. First of all, we can all be concerned about others and relate to their lives. Secondly, we can all see potential in people and pursue our own and others' growth and development. We can all see opportunities and look into the future with hopefulness. That's a choice. And we can all release and empower others to be all that God intends for them to be. Did you catch those? I walked through those kind of quick. Listen to him again. We can all be concerned about others and relate to their lives. You, the, the best communication tool you've got is these two appendages on the outside of your head, your ears. You can all listen and relate to others. You can all be concerned about them. You can all see potential. All of us can see potential in people and pursue our own. We can choose to pursue our own growth and others. We can all see opportunities and look into the future with hopefulness. We can all look for the pony. Okay? You can? You can look for the pony. We can all release and empower others to be all that God intends for them to be. Here's my final scripture, and then we're going to pray. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. This is Paul as an exhorter here, working as an exhorter. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for this body. That's my prayer for you today. All right. As we have other weeks, you're looking up here and you're saying, I think that one might be talking about me. So I'm standing for this one. And if you would like you feel, and you know, this just might be, you're not, you know, we're not trying to pigeonhole anybody or put you in a box, but just if you sense, yeah, I think this is who I am, would you stand to your feet? That's why I want to pray for you. You feel like, I think I'm a disorder. All right. Good. All right. Would you just... Find somebody near you who's standing and stretch out your hand or move around if you need to, but get near somebody. I want to make sure everybody's getting prayed for.
All right. Jesus, I want to bless my friends this morning. As we stand before you, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the ultimate exhorter. You are the perfect exhorter. And Lord, you have encouraged us. You have strengthened us. You've built us up, Lord God. Lord Jesus, and I pray that you would release these exhorters into their callings. Lord, in their schools, in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods, in their homes. Wherever they are, Lord, encourage, just, Lord, embolden them, energize them, Lord God. Empower them to do the call that you've given to them. We bless the exhorters in the house today. Bless the exhorters in the house today. Thank you for their lives. Strengthen them, uphold them, encourage them, bless them. Bless them in the name of the Lord. Bless them, Jesus, today. Bless our exhorters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just open your hands to receive the benediction this morning. Now with open hands. I pray that you'll be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. I bless you in the name of the Lord. And I pray that his love and mercy will chase you down every day of your life for his glory and praise. Be blessed now, people of God. And go in his goodness and grace. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you.